Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. We thank you for your presence, mighty God. And we thank you that you are in this room. Your spirit is in this room this morning. And I thank you that breakthrough is in this room this morning. I thank you, Father, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you this morning, God, that the anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. And this morning, by virtue of the anointing, that sickness and disease has to bow at the name of Jesus. Depression has to bow at the name of Jesus. Addiction has to bow at the name of Jesus. That you paid the ultimate price for our freedom. And this morning I'm declaring that your word is true and it does not return void. And that what you accomplished at the cross is still at work today. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. And that we can know you. Not only in the fellowship of your sufferings, but in the power of your resurrection. And I thank you this morning that in spite of circumstance, you are faithful. And you are in this room this morning. And I thank you that the anointing that makes preaching easy is in this room this morning. That I might declare your word. That as Paul said, I don't come with eloquent speech but with demonstration of power. That your word is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. And this morning I recognize I'm completely dependent upon you this morning, God. I have nothing to give, but you gave it all already. And so this morning I press into you knowing that you are faithful knowing that you who began a good work are faithful to complete it. So we trust you this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you take your seat this morning? How many of you love the presence of God this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn in in your Bible to a book we don't often look at, but it is a familiar passage The book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2. Happy Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day can be a day of great celebration. It can be a a day of great pain. There's so many emotions that surround this day. And I just want to say that I believe this morning's message applies not just to mothers, but I think to everybody, but I think there, there's a word in, in this for those who are dealing with pain today. Haggai chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 3. This morning's message is entitled, Take Courage. Take Courage. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now, take courage, Zerubbabel. 
declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of the angel armies. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Do not fear. For this is what the Lord of armies says. Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and also the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of the armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of the armies. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of armies. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of armies. Verse 4 says three times, take courage. And here's the reason, because in verse 3, we learn that something greater had been seen in the past. And for many of us, we've experienced what we would call our glory days. We've experienced those times in our life where everything seemed to be going well. We were living the picture perfect life. We had everything, all of our ducks were in a row. And then destruction comes. How many of you have ever dealt with disappointment? You've dealt with things that absolutely destroy your view of life. And you can't seem to get past it. And that's the context of Haggai chapter 2 this morning. Is the prophet is saying to Zerubbabel, you saw the temple in its former glory. Solomon's temple was, was incredible. I mean, it, it was to this day, it, it has still been estimated that it was the most expensive building ever built. That the gold alone the, the, the numbers are, are in the millions of how much gold was put into Solomon's temple. The fabric was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars just in fabric. I mean, it was incredible. And for the children of Israel, that was the, the, the ultimate uh, demonstration of God's kingdom was this beautiful temple, and yet it's destroyed. And so you have... The people, you've got Zerubbabel, you've got Jehozadak, and all of the people who, who could not fathom that there could ever be anything better. And I think we all come to those points in our lives where we go through the disappointment and we think to ourselves, I've already had the best and I lost it. I already had what I thought was going to be the best part of my life and that's over. How do I move on? Because once this greater thing is said to us, it's extremely hard to believe it could ever be the same or better. And the cry of faith is this this morning. Despite loss, despite failure, or better days that have previously been experienced, we as believers are called to hold on to God and believe for a fresh visitation. 
This is the call of faith. When everyone else would say it's all over, when they would give up as a lost cause, when they would say to you that the rest of your life will never amount to anything or or you'll never have it, your ministry's over, your family's over, it doesn't matter because the cry of faith is this, take courage. In the face of negativity, continue once again to believe God. Because let me tell you, courage is not the absence of fear. And I think that sometimes we we have this weird perspective of what it means to have courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to continue to go despite having some fear. Courage is going again in the face of fear and failure and disappointments. And the Lord in Haggai chapter 2 is calling for the political and the religious leaders to rise up and believe. Now, if you look at our building, it's nothing compared to Solomon's temple by any stretch of the imagination. But I'll tell you, if if we came here one day and it was completely destroyed... It would it would devastate. This has been a place of encounter for so many people. And will this be where we are forever? No. But I'm going to tell you one day when I know this building is torn down, that will eventually happen. I'm going to have some tears because it was a place of encounter. And, and for the children of Israel, the destruction of Solomon's temple, that I mean, When they dedicated Solomon's temple, the Lord came down and the glory was so heavy, the priests couldn't even stand to minister. I mean, it was a place of encounter. And we've had those times in our own lives where we've encountered God. But I mean, the faith that has been required and the sacrifices even for this building. I mean, to have a paid off building is 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 incredible. And, and the sacrifice and the faith that it's taken. But, you know, if the building was destroyed, and praise God, we have great insurance on this building. I don't know how we came out with that, but they've always paid every claim. Hallelujah. But I, I just can't imagine coming to that point of it being gone. And yet that's what the children of Israel are facing. And then there's a call that comes to rebuild it. And at that point, those with true faith and courage would quickly become evident. Because all great leaders, and listen, every one of you are a leader. You're a leader of your own home. You're a leader of your own finances. You're a leader of your own spirit. All great leaders must have courage. And courage is an act of the will. Let me say that to you this morning. Courage is an act of the will. And that is why it's so strategic, because we have a choice to either surrender to fear or rise in faith. In this instance, the key to courage, as it was for such men as Joshua and Solomon, both of whom were exhorted to rise up in courage, was the key in verse four. He says, I am with you. How do we take courage? We live from the reality, I am with you. It was the knowledge that his spirit was abiding in their midst. I want to look at another verse this morning. John 14, verse 16 says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. 
That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him speaking of Jesus or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Personally, this this is a significant scripture for me. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at about seven years of age, this was the verse the Lord gave me. I will abide in you and I will be with you. And when we live from that reality that I, I carry the Holy Spirit, God is not far off. He's right here. He's in us. That reality causes me to be able to take courage. Now, y'all know me. I'm very transparent. I was healed of migraines two years ago. I woke up this morning with the worst migraine I have had, I feel like, in my whole life. And I'm going, no, the, the, the devil's a liar. And I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I really can't see all of you this morning. There is a, a, a equilibrium issue happening at the moment. And I'm saying that because I'm putting the devil on notice right now. I'm not going to stop because there's a symptom. Because I'm choosing to take courage. So I'm living out what I'm preaching right now. And I want to say to you this morning that you need to take courage. Because symptoms are liars. No matter what the symptom is, it is a liar. And we've got to rise up in this hour because when we live from this truth that I will abide with you and be in you. I will abide with you and be in you. He is both in and around you. You are the walking house of God. He doesn't dwell at 3205 Lakeview Street. He dwells in you. And when you come to 3205 Lakeview Street, he shows up with you. And the many tributaries come like a river. And when we recognize that, because there are two factors that are joined here in Haggai 2, both courage and disappointment. Imagine the disappointment the nation experienced. But here's, here's what I want to say about disappointment because it has seemed to me, to be very honest, that the last couple of weeks, everyone I've talked to has been dealing with disappointment. I mean, it has been a theme. And I've been going, God, what, what is this theme? Why, why are so many dealing with disappointment? Because disappointment is an overpowering emotion. It is overpowering. Disappointment that maybe my life never turned out as I thought. These are just conversations I've had with people. Disappointed in the marriage partner I ended up with. Disappointment that I never got the promotion I was promised. Disappointed that my kids didn't turn out as I expected. Disappointed that the business never worked as I thought. Disappointed that my finances are still in shambles. Disappointed that I'm not healed. The opportunity... For disappointment is everywhere. And disappointment will cause a person to be immobilized and give up trying. Well, it didn't work out before, so there's no use trying now. Now, here's the tricky bit. God says, I am with you. And here's the question that immediately arises because we live in a tension of faith in a fallen world and a kingdom that is unshakable. And the question that often comes, if God was with me, 
then why did this happen? We ask those questions. Those are very real questions. Why didn't my spouse change? Why didn't the business work? I did everything I knew for my kids. Why are they so rebellious? I thought God was with me. His spirit was working with me, and yet this still happened? And and I wish I could give you an answer. But the facts are this. Some of those questions will never be able to be answered. There are just some mysteries of faith that seem to have no answer to them. But here the children of Israel are standing. Why was the temple destroyed? I thought the Messiah was going to come and overturn everything. I thought it was going to go this way. But here they are standing that day in the rubble of the great temple. The magnificent implements all taken by the invading army. The precious metals and all things valuable taken. The structure built for the glory of God destroyed. And I'm sure there were many questions. Why? 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 And yet the Lord says, take courage. Because here's what verse 5 says. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Do not fear. Your disappointments, your destructions, everything that's taken place, he says, my promise still remains. That when I brought you out of Egypt, I will remain with you. When he delivered you from your sin, though your circumstances may say one thing, his promise still remains. I am with you. I think we've got it so built up in our materialistic minds of the West that unless we have the white picket fence and this and this and this and this, then we are not successful. Then the promises and what has been been just peddled to to the Western churches, this idea of what it means to be successful as a believer. But here's what success as a believer is. I am with you. I am with you. The greatest treasure we have is not in, in, in our health, it's not in our wealth, it's not in our prosperity. It is in the reality that we are the only people on the face of the planet that can say, my God is with me. We carry the reality that our God walks with us. He's not some distant clockmaker that got things going and walked away. He's personal. He's in the midst of our pain. Does he always change the situation? No. And we have those questions. Those questions are very real and they're hard and we want answers. But at the end of the day, I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and in the power of his resurrection. This is not my eternal home. I'm passing through. My citizenship is not in America or in Spain or Singapore or wherever any of you are from. It's in Him, New Zealand. It's in Him. My citizenship rests in Him. So yes, I go through disappointment. Yes, the human experience is hard. But at the end of the day, He makes that promise. The prophet takes them back to their original promise and mandate. Exodus 29, 45. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. What a promise. I will dwell among them. Exodus 25, 8. 
Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. And then Jesus does something beautiful when he comes. He says, I'll make you my sanctuary. But this prophecy was given some 900 years earlier so that they stand there that day, 900 years of history, 900 years of disappointment, 900 years of questioning the promises of God. But in effect, the prophet states, the promise is as true today as it was 900 years ago. There are prophecies and there are promises that God gave you maybe 40 years ago. They are still true today as they were the day you got them. It doesn't matter how much time Time has passed because his word does not return void. Because the prophetic word of God is eternal and lives on despite our circumstances. So when I'm in the middle of sickness, when I'm in the middle of lack, when I'm in the, when it doesn't matter what I'm in the middle of because I have him. He is my rock and my fortress. He is my firm foundation. He is my stronghold of hope. He is my everlasting father. He's my counselor. He's my prince of peace. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. And when I live in the truth of who he is, it doesn't matter what I'm facing because I'm found in him. And he is found in me. So the temple is destroyed. They're standing there. And the prophet comes to Zerubbabel. And he says, Zerubbabel, he's in the midst. Zerubbabel, take courage. Jehozadak, take courage. For I am with you. I'm with you. Disappointment is real. It's real. But in verse 6, He says, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake things up. Because here's what we know about God. He never lets us stay the same. And there's no temptation common to man that he's not already provided a way of escape for. So whatever situation you're in, it's not forever. It's not forever. Is God the author of sickness? Absolutely not. That's heresy. Is God the author of death? Absolutely not. That's heresy. But does God work my sickness for good? You better believe it. Does God work my death seasons for good? You better believe it. Does God work my disappointments for good? You better believe it. Because at the end of the day, it's not about making me happy. It's making me like him. But here's also what I know, that God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied in him. If my satisfaction is found in my stuff, my relationships, my family, my success, I will not be satisfied in him. But if I'm satisfied in him, he is most glorified through me. My satisfaction is found in him. Promises made to you always stand true as much today as when they were first spoken. I remember the very first prophetic word that I can remember that I ever got. And it was this, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Fire will come into your hands and you'll go around the world. You'll lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. I prayed for a lot of people before I ever saw anyone healed. I actually, the reason I walked away from the Lord for two years was because I wasn't seeing miracles. That's why I walked away because I had disappointment. And I'd gone to my pastor and I said to my pastor, why don't I see miracles? I have this prophetic word that I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And he said, just get over it. God doesn't really do that anymore. This was in a Pentecostal, spirit-filled church that said, God still heals today. It was on our bulletins every week. God still heals today. And the pastor told me, God doesn't really do that anymore. And I thought to myself, shred the bulletin. 
And so I had disappointment. And so I walked away from the Lord for two years because I was so disappointed. But that prophetic word still stood true. And the very first miracle, it wasn't like when I came back to the Lord, God did it big. I didn't ask him to do it big, but he did it big. It wasn't a headache healed. Thank you, Jesus. I saw an arm grow back. That was the very first miracle I saw at 14 years of age was an arm growing back. You're like, what do you mean an arm growing back? Literally, a little girl had had her arm amputated from the elbow down because of an infected spider bite in Mexico, and all they could do was just cut it off. And when I prayed for her, in 45 seconds, that arm grew back. As true as I stand before you today, it grew back. That was the very first miracle I saw, and it was a fulfillment of a prophetic word. But I had to go through something to get me to a place to believe God. I had to go through it. And I think so many of us don't want to go through the stuff. Because we've been taught we can circumvent disappointment. We can circumvent difficult times. We can circumvent all those things. That's not true. I wish it were true. I wish there was an easy way out in life. But there's not. But when we go through the fire, we come out shining like gold, like Job said. He said, I've been through the fire, but now I shine like gold. Because it's a purification process. It's a process of dealing with the idols in our heart. For some of us, we've made family our idol. For some of us, we've made money our idol. For some of us, we've made our job our idol. And God has to deal with those things in us so that we can become like Him, so that we can be most satisfied in Him, so we can demonstrate Him to a world that doesn't know Him. See, we can't preach to the world, hey, if you come to serve Jesus, everything will be perfect. You'll have health, wealth, and prosperity. (laughs) I don't think you know Jesus if that's all that you get. Because first he says, take up your cross. Oh, okay, that's the first step. Is picking up my cross and recognizing that I become one in his death that I might live. I have to die to all those things. Now, does God provide? Absolutely. Is God intimidated by wealth? Absolutely not. Does he want to use wealthy people to influence the kingdom? You better believe it. But it's not about that. It's about him. And the driving, motivating force of this whole narrative in Haggai 2 is found in verse 9. It says this, The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. When it says, in this place, I will give peace, what is he really talking about there? Is he talking about the temple? No, he's actually, in the context, is saying, when you get the picture of the coming glory, In that, I will give you peace. When we set our eyes on what God wants to do in the middle of our destruction, there we find peace. Our peace is found in what God is doing. It can be really easy to focus on what the enemy is doing. It can be really easy to focus in on the destruction and the pain, and the disappointment, and those things that hurt and are real. I mean, I'm going to be real honest. I was mad this morning. 
what the heck? I'm healed of migraines. This is not my portion. God, and this is what I said, God, why are you letting this happen? And then I remembered what I was preaching this morning. Huh? What is in me, God, that needs to come out? What do I need to deal with? Take courage because the glory of the latter house. What is the latter house that he was speaking of? He wasn't talking about a new temple. He was talking about a people who would be the temple. He was talking about you. All those thousands of years ago, the prophet Haggai was looking into the future to a people who would become the temple of God, who would carry the glory of God. When Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, the glory you've given me, I now share with my disciples. The same glory that Jesus walked in, he shares with you and I. Isn't that incredible? And the prophet Haggai was prophesying you. This, all this rubble, it's nothing. Yeah, this was a great temple, but the glory of the latter house will be greater than this former house. And in that, I will give you peace. There's something about learning to rest and trust in the promises of God that stills the troubled heart. For one that may have never experienced this, it is a mystery, but it is true anyway. I, I, I pray a lot for service. That's where I find most peace often. This morning, I couldn't even muster a prayer. I just went in to my couch in the office and I just chose to rest. God, you're going to show up because I can't do it without you. You just have to show up. And I'm just going to rest in that. And I think when we learn to do that, we don't get the answers. We don't always get the answers. But you know what I had to do? I had to surrender my right to answers. And what I have to do is just surrender to his presence. Trusting He's faithful. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. And this morning, as I, as I start to close, I have a few questions for you. What is the thing you need to take courage over this year? What is it? In the midst of disappointment, what is it that you need to take courage over? Where are the dashed hopes? And what promises have you forgotten? Because it's time to rise up with courage and once again believe God. The thing I've learned is life can change in an instant. There are suddenlies. And when there's suddenlies that hurt, those are hard. But let me say this to you for every suddenly that hurts, there's a suddenly of glory. Vivian, I don't know any of your story. Jeannie's not shared any of it with me. All she said is, I'm bringing my friend Vivian. As I began to pray for you this week, the Lord began to show me that it was, it was flash, that all of a sudden things just felt like they fell apart. But the Lord wants you to know that he has been building in you for years something that can't be torn apart. 
and that you have a depth in God that you underestimate. That you have a, a firm foundation on the inside of you that you not take for granted, but you, you underestimate it. And that in this season, John 7, 38 is going to become very real to you. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. God's going to begin to restore hope. And you're going to live. There's a verse in Zechariah that says, Return to the stronghold, you who are held captive by hope. You're going to know what it means to be held captive by hope. This morning, if you're dealing with dashed hopes, you're dealing with disappointments, you're dealing with those things, I want to prophesy to you out of the book of Haggai. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. Take courage. In the Hebrew, it literally means grab hold of it, with everything you've got and don't let go. That's what that word take means. That word courage has this implication. The ability to fight without seeing your enemy and win. Grab hold of and don't let go of the ability to fight your enemy even when you can't see him. That's what take courage means. I want you to stand this morning. We often don't understand and we often don't have answers. But here's what I know. I serve a God huh, who is faithful. He's faithful. This morning, we're going to take communion Pastor Hector and Susanna are going to come lead us in that. And then I'm going to come back after communion and share a final thought with you. But as the communion cups are passed this morning, communion is reserved for those who have chosen to be followers of Jesus. It's taking his body, taking his blood, the representation of it. And in doing so, we're remembering the price that he paid. So this morning, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, you want to do that this morning. You want to make the decision to follow Jesus this morning. To surrender your life to the one who paid the price for you. I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you this morning and you want to do that, I want you just to notify me by lifting your hand. You're saying, I want to surrender to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer before I hand it over to Hector and Susanna. In praying this prayer, you're starting a life with Jesus. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you. Thank you for the price you paid. I trust you. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www.equippingchurch.us.